Uh, so this morning, for the Good Friday service, uh, we are going to be in Luke chapter 23. If you have your physical Bible, you want to turn there. Uh, we will be at verse, starting at verse 26. Um, <coughs> and we're going to go through this passage slowly, because there's some really interesting people that we're going to meet in this story. And uh, I would dare to say that most of us will relate to someone that we're going to meet in the, over the course of the story. I don't say everyone anymore because someone always makes a point to come up to me after service, after I've said everyone, and they're like, I didn't connect to anybody. Okay, well, most of you will connect with you. I'll give you the out if it so happens. A um, little bit of background before we dive too far into this story. So Jesus has been betrayed by one of his faithful 12 for 30 pieces of silver. He has stood a mock trial before the priests. And he has been sent to the Pontius of the Roman Empire at the time. He has stood trial before the Pontius. He has found nothing against Jesus. He has sent him to the king of Galilee for trial. The king of Galilee has found nothing against him. So he sends him back to the Pontius. And the Pontius, desperate to calm any, amount, any kind of rebellion, any kind of revolt from the people, um, decides to have Jesus beaten. And he, Jesus is flogged so severely that it says that he, is, he couldn't even be recognized anymore. He was beaten so badly. And, and Pontius Pilate presents Jesus to the Jews saying, I've had this man beaten. Isn't that enough? And they still call for his crucifixion. They call for his death. And so Pontius Pilate washes his hands and he releases Jesus to the Jews to have them do what, he, what they would have to, to do with him. And we pick it up in the story that Jesus has had a crown of thorns placed on his head. And I say placed, it's not like gingerly. It's been attached to his head. It's not coming off easily. And they have laid a cross, a wooden cross on his back. And they are marching him through Jerusalem to the place where the crucifixion is going to be held. And history tells us that Jesus is overcome by the stress and the strain of the task that has been laid before him. And he falls once and they pick him up and they get him going again. And he has fallen a second time. And so Jesus has fallen. This cross is on his back. And we pick it up at verse 26. It says, as they led Jesus away, a man named Simon, who was from Cyrene, happened to be coming in from the countryside. The soldiers seized him, put the cross on him, made him carry it behind Jesus. So Simon of Cyrene is the first one that we meet. And we make it makes it sound like this guy was a farmer who lived outside of Jerusalem, and he just happened to wander in. He's at the wrong place at the wrong time. And, but it's not what's happened. See, Passover is coming. Passover is a massive festival for the Jewish people. And what Simon has done, Cyrene is 800 miles away from Jerusalem. He didn't just wander in and just happen to be at the wrong place at the wrong time. He has planned this journey out. Even with vehicles, modern technology, you don't just jump in the car and drive 800 miles. That requires a little bit of planning. requires a little bit of saving up, especially in today's economy. Like, you don't just take that trip. And it's not just him. We discover that Simon has two sons. So this is a family venture. Imagine an 800-mile trip with young kids today. Now add in the fact that they're traveling by donkey. That is a long trip. There's a lot. Are we there yet? No. Right? This is, he's tired. The chances are he has just 
arrived. He has been traveling for days, spent every last penny, kind of gave himself a buffer because Passover was two days away. And he is in the city, he is tired. It says he sees them. All a Roman soldier had to do for, for the Jews was take their spear and tap him. And that was the order. You're up. So Simon gets to tap. And it's not like they just laid the piece of wood on his back. The cross at the time would have been around 300 pounds. Again, imagine driving for 800 miles and having a 300 pound. I'm well rested and I don't want a 300 pound cross on my back. But as tired and as beaten down as Simon is, Jesus is significantly more. Remember, he's just been beaten beyond recognition. The fact that he's gotten this far is absolutely amazing. And the reason I park at Simon is I wonder how many of us can relate to him in the fact that at some point in our life we felt like Christianity was forced upon us. Simon didn't want to take up the cross. He didn't even follow Jesus. And all of a sudden he has to carry the cross of a criminal, and I wonder if we can relate to that at some point, regardless of the motive, regardless of why they did it, at some point in our past, we felt like Jesus was forced upon us. And we have continued to just follow, we've continued to go through the motions, we've continued to just maintain appearances, but deep down we have this little bit of resentment because it really wasn't our choice and we really haven't made it our own. Maybe you relate to Simon of Cyrene. Continuing on, a large crowd trailed behind, including many grief-stricken women. But Jesus turned and said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, don't weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For the days are coming when they will say, Fortunate indeed are the women who are childless, and the wombs who have not borne children, child, and the breasts that have never nursed. People will beg the mountains fall on us and plead with the hills, bury us. For these things are done with the trees green. What will happen when it is dry? So the second group we meet is the crowd. I feel like a lot of us can relate to this, but let me unpack this for you. Not five days ago, the crowds that were at Jerusalem, the crowds that were gathering for Passover, walked in with Jesus celebrating and singing and worshiping God and and tambourines and laying down palms and coats before the king of the world on a donkey entering into the city. And five days later, that same crowd is calling for his death. And we know through the different accounts that there's a mixed bag happening. Luke records that there's a large crowd of women following along and they've already started mourning. They've already started hurting because they're going to lose their master. They're going to lose their teacher and their rabbi. But there's some that are hostile. There are some that have followed along with the leaders and they're calling for his death. And they're probably adding to the strain of this journey that Jesus is on. And the reason I say that most of us could probably relate to this is because we kind of like blending in with the crowd. We just kind of go with where the crowd is going. We say what the crowd is saying. We believe what the, peop- what the society tells us to believe. Because it's just easier not to make waves. It's just easier not to stand out. And so when we show up at church, let's say, and we're good Christian people, and we talk about good Christian things, but then we hang out at the bar with our friends, and we drink, and we joke, and we say the things that we shouldn't say, and we're just a chameleon. We just blend in because it's just easier 
follow the crowd than to stand out and take the chance that what standing out might mean to us. Some of us may relate to the crowd. Verse 32, two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him. When they came to a place called the skull, they nailed him to the cross, and the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on the left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. Remember that line, Father, forgive them, because they don't know what they're doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. The crowd watched, and leaders scoffed. They sa- he saved others, they said. Let him save himself, if he really is God's Messiah, the Chosen One. Soldiers mocked him, too, by offering him drink of sour wine. They called out to him, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. A sign was fastened above him with these words, this is the king of the Jews. So we met three groups in there already. Uh, The first one is the Romans. As we read through the story, often the Romans are the ones that are painted as the villains. They're painted as the bad guys. They're the ones doing all the work. They're the ones who beat Jesus. They're the ones who fastened him to the cross. They're the ones who pulled out Simon from the crowd. They, these guys are clearly the bad guys in the story. But what we often forget is that the Romans are simply the product of their culture. The Romans taught their people that they were above everyone else, that every other nation, everyone that sub- was subservient to them, everyone who, every culture was under them. The Romans were superior. And it was reflected in their laws. They would do things to Jews, and they would do things to the other nations that they wouldn't even think about doing to a Roman because that was in- inhumane. So it's okay to be inhumane to people, other humans, but just not, okay. But that's the mindset. Even the soldiers, as they were beating Jesus, said that he received 39 lashes, or 40 minus 1, because there's this belief that if he got 40 lashes, he would die. The Roman soldiers who did the beating didn't just stop at 39. He was like, "Ah, I think that's good. They were taught how to do this. They were taught how to make someone hurt. And they were just following orders. And maybe we can relate to the Romans. Maybe we were placed in a place of authority and we had to do a job and we had to do something that we weren't happy about and someone got hurt and now they're mad at us and they hate us. And or maybe there's someone in your life that is the representation of the Roman and they've done something to hurt you and you just want to be mad at them. You just want to set them up as this enemy and they really don't even know they've hurt you. They don't even know what they've done has done the pain that has caused the pain that it has because they're just a result of what they've been taught. They're just a result of their upbringing. They're just a result of their culture. And they honestly don't have a clue that what they did was wrong. Or maybe you relate to the Romans because you had a situation where you were talking about something and you assumed everyone just believed the same thing and you found out the hard way that not everyone agrees with you. And you were shocked. And the response hurt. Maybe you relate to the Romans. The other group is the Pharisees. And these guys always get painted as the bad guy. But I want to paint, I want to give a little slightly different perspective for the Pharisees. 
In one of the gospel accounts, the Pharisees are meeting together, and they're concerned about Jesus, not because of what he's teaching, but because of his ability to draw a crowd. The Pharisees have one eye on Israel, one eye on the Romans, and the last thing they want is for the Israelites to rise up, get excited, form a crowd, and inspire a violent Roman response. Because they will. The Romans have been violent in the past. They've put down uprisings. They've put down rebellions. And the Pharisees don't want that to happen again. And in one of the accounts, they actually say it would be better for this one man to die than for the whole nation to be punished because of what he has the capability of doing. Do we think of the Pharisees as being these evil people who are just stuck in their ways and they don't want to change? And that's probably playing into it a little bit. But they actually have the best intentions for the people. And it just so happens that Jesus is the enemy that they're focused on. And maybe you can relate to the Pharisees. Maybe you're leading a company or you're a leader at the church or, or even at the family or whatever. And you got your eyes on the good old days and when things were good and when the company was flourishing, when the church was bursting at the seams and, and, and you liked the good old days. And you're very resistant to change because change is hard. Why would I change? It worked in the past. It should work today. Or maybe like the Pharisees, you just want proof. The Pharisees at multiple times told Jesus, we want a sign. Give us a sign that you are the Messiah. You know, John tells us that Jesus did so many miracles that there's not enough water in the ocean to fill the pen that would have to write the stories of the amazing things Jesus did. There's lots of evidence. But the Pharisees had a particular sign in mind. And unless they saw this sign... They wouldn't believe. Maybe you understand. Maybe you get that. Maybe you're looking at the change, or maybe, maybe you know that God wants to do something. He's speaking to you, and He's asking you to give up control, and you're not willing to because you just don't know what God's going to do. It's just easier to maintain tradition. It's just easier to do the things that we've always done because I can control it and I know what the outcome is. If I hand it over to God, who knows what God's going to do? Maybe you understand where the Pharisees are coming from. You're not, you don't have bad intentions. It just looks like it. It just sometimes feels like it when you stand your ground. Verse 39, one of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed. So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us while you're at it. But the other criminal protested, don't you fear God, even when you have been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus replied, I assure you, Today, you will be with me in paradise. The criminals. Maybe some of you have been waiting for me to get to this one, because this is the one that we typically park on. The two guys, typically the one that is the bad one is on the left, and the good one is on the right, because that's just the way we like to organize things. It always seems to work that way. And so we look at the one on the left, the bad one, And he's like, 
Come on, Messiah, pull us down. And does he, is he, does he want to be pulled down because then he'll believe? Is he like the Pharisees who he's just like, I just need a sign and I'll follow? No. Why does he want down? His only regret is he got caught. He wants down so he can go back to his way. Even if Jesus did come down, I don't think he would follow him. Because all he wants is, the nails in my hands hurt. I want it to stop. Maybe you relate to that. Maybe, maybe you're here, or maybe you're online, and you don't, you don't believe in Jesus. And you tell people, you tell your Christian friends, oh, if Jesus showed up in my room, then I'd believe in him. Jesus, you know, next time I'm at Kenosi, he parted Kenosi Lake. Then, you know, then I'd believe in him, because then that would be an... But it's not true. Deep down, you know that even if that happened, you wouldn't, because you like the way your life is. You don't want to change. You don't want to make adjustments. Whereas we have the guy on the right who is aware of the fact that he's getting what he deserves. He knows he's a criminal. He knows, we don't know what he did. We assume that he's a thief. He gets it. He gets that he did something wrong. He got caught, and now he's paying the price for his crimes. Pretty severe punishment for someone who stole something, but he gets it. In fact, he's so aware of his fallenness and his sinfulness, he doesn't ask Jesus for forgiveness. All he simply asks is, like, God, if you, you know, send me a thought when you get to eternity. Jesus, just, just remember me. He's so overwhelmed by his, his wrong and his guilt, he doesn't even ask. Maybe you get that. Maybe you come to the idea of Jesus and you think of, of repenting and you just are so aware of all the mistakes and all the people that you've hurt and all the sin and all the wrong and you're just like, God has, God has given up on me and if he hasn't, he should because I've already given up on myself. And so far gone, I'm not even going to bother asking God to move. Maybe you're there. Verse 44, by this time, it was about noon, and the darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. The light from the sun was gone, and suddenly the sanctuary, the curtain of the sanctuary of the temple was torn down the middle. And Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last. When the Roman officer overseeing the execution saw what had happened, he worshiped God and said, surely this man was innocent. When all the crowd that came to see the crucifixion saw what had happened, they went home in deep sorrow. But Jesus' friends, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance. Finally, the disciples, who had been kind of waiting for them to show up all story long. You find them at the end, and they're standing in the back, and they're not, and they're just watching. Before I get into the disciples, a really interesting thing. As the crowds go away, they go away with sorrow. They go away with regret. And it says the whole crowd goes away. The same ones who are calling for his execution, the ones, same ones who are mocking him, now go away sorrowful. Because I think everyone, to a certain degree, was hoping upon, above hope that Jesus was going to come down. Even the Pharisees. The Pharisees in their heart were like, this is the sign. This is the moment we've been waiting for. He's going to come down and we're going to 
<laughs> sorry, like we're going to get on board because this is the moment. And Jesus died. But I don't think anyone was hit harder than the disciples. Remember, the disciples had been, most of them, some of them, had been with Jesus from the moment his ministry started. And Jesus was working and acting for a whole three years. You know, big commitment. Many of them had been with them for a long amount of time. Imagine the things the disciples saw. The miracles. Imagine the things that he was taught. We have very limited account of what Jesus all taught. Jesus lived with the disciples. He would have constantly been taught teaching. He would have constantly, he would have made the most of every moment he had with these guys and girls. Imagine the experiences. Jesus sends them out at one point and they heal people and they cast out demons and they have great experiences with Jesus. And as good Jewish people, they were holding on to the same hope that the whole nation was holding on. That this is the Messiah. He's going to conquer the Romans. He's going to kick them all out. And Israel's going to be restored. Now he's dead. That wasn't the plan. They sit in the back and they weep and they sorrow. And maybe you can relate to the disciples. Maybe you're new to the following Jesus, or maybe even doing it for a long time. Guess what? As much, the disciples were not the same people as they were when they started the journey, but they still made mistakes. You look at your life, and you're like, I've, I know since I became a Christian, I am not the same person. I have changed so much. But why do I keep making this mistake? Why do I keep falling in this area? Why do, why? Why do I keep stumbling here or maybe you've been a christian for a while and you thought you were, your life was headed in a certain direction because of your relationship with god and it hasn't gone according to plan and like the disciples you're like why why am i here i thought i would be here why have i not arrived and not only have i arrived in some ways i feel like i'm farther away than when i started maybe you get that Maybe you relate to the disciples. Doesn't matter which group you relate to. Doesn't matter which group we were talking about. Doesn't matter who it is that we focus on. They all have one thing in common. They all needed the same solution. They all needed the answer still the same for all of them. The good news is the same for each and every one of them. Jesus cried out. He said, remember, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And we often read this line and think it applies to the Pharisees and the Romans who were the ones who were spearheading his execution. But I don't think it just applies to them. I think Jesus is crying out for everyone. He's crying out for them back then. He's crying out for us today, saying forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. The one thing that all humanity needed at the end of the day was forgiveness of our sins. We needed a, a price to be paid. We needed the law to be fulfilled in all the Old Testament. Here's, here's the Reader's Digest version of the Old Testament. Sin enters the world. Man spends decades, centuries wrestling with sin, trying to overcome it on his own strength, by his own way, trying to follow God's law. And because of sin in our life, we are forever found wanting. We're forever found weak. We are all sinners in need of a Savior. 
And after centuries of man trying to overcome on his own and always defaulting back, the reality and the, the moral of the story is we couldn't do it on our own. We needed something more. And so God sends his son. Jesus strips off his divinity, becomes a man with a human body, with flesh and bones like you and I, lives a life that none of us could live so he could pay the price none of us could pay. He becomes the perfect sacrifice. He fulfills the requirements of the law so that you and I can be forgiven, that the sin barrier can be removed and we can have a relationship with God the way it was meant to be, the way Adam had it in the Garden of Eden. That's the, what we're working towards. That was the whole goal, to get back to where there was no barrier. And Jesus accomplishes it on the cross. This is why we call it Good Friday. It is awful. You read everything that they probably did to Jesus, it is awful. It's terrible the price that he paid. It's terrible the pain that he suffered. It's like, why is it good? It's good because as bad as it was, the good that was accomplished far outweighs it. The whole of human history was forever changed because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross. And the good news we see played out in every single one of the groups that we just talked about. Simon of Cyrene, the one who had the cross forced upon him. We discover through scripture and through history that he became a follower of Jesus. In fact, his two boys that I talked about became influential in the church. The Apostle Paul writes to them in the churches that he writes to. He mentions them by name. That same crowd that went from worshiping with Jesus to calling for his death in 50 days would hear the gospel preached to them once again and 3,000 of them would find life and forgiveness and hope in Jesus Christ. 3,000 of them. The Romans, as even though at one day they would start to hunt and persecute and kill Christians, would decades later embrace Christianity as the main religion of their empire and would spread it faster than anyone, any missionary before them. The Pharisees, in just a few years, a Pharisee by the name of Saul would encounter Jesus on the side of a road and would be so radically transformed, would become one of the most influential missionaries in the world. He took the gospel farther than anybody and in a short amount of time, call him Paul. He also wrote half the New Testament. The disciples, yeah, they still made their mistakes. But in a short time, they would be empowered by the Holy Spirit and they would kickstart a movement that has continued to impact and change lives even today. It is one, still one of the fastest growing movements in the whole world, in the whole of history good news of Jesus continues to change lives because this hodgepodge little group obeyed, followed, and allowed the Spirit to take them where they needed to go. The good news is that we're not stuck where we are. The good news is that there's forgiveness and hope. The good news is that we get mercy. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. The sin in our life, we deserve death. And instead, through grace, grace is getting what we don't deserve. 
So mercy is not getting punishment. Grace is getting eternal life in relationship with Jesus Christ. We receive grace because of what Jesus did. That's the good news. But the tough part is, not the tough part, as we close, this morning I present to you, This morning I present to you the two criminals. See, the reality is, is that without Christ, every one of us is a criminal in the eyes of God. Our sin makes us a rebel. Our sin makes us an enemy. Our sin makes us unable to please God and to come into alignment with what he has for us. You and I are all criminals. And every day, Especially today, we have a choice. And our choice is either we can be like the criminal on the left, the bad one, and we can be God of our own life, and we can make our own decisions, and we can reject the good gift that God has given us, and we can just do things our way and forget it all, forget the sacrifices, forget taking up the cross, forget it all, I'm just going to do it my own Way And maybe we don't say it that boldly, but if we look back, we're like, eh, I've been making that decision a lot lately. Or we can be like the criminal on the right and humbly come to Jesus and be like, Jesus, I am a mess. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me, God, for my mistakes. Forgive me, Lord, for my sin. And daily come to the spot of repenting and allowing the blood of Christ to wash us clean so we can start every day fresh and new and step into the new creation that he has called us to be. Every day we are faced with this choice. This morning you are faced with it. doesn't matter. doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. doesn't matter if you're a re- reject. Doesn't, doesn't, we still have to make the choice. We still have to sacrifice, put our body on the altar and say, this is my sacrifice. I'm not allowing my body to dictate. I'm not allowing my sin nature to dictate. I'm letting the Spirit dictate. Every day, we come to Jesus and we have two options. And this morning I ask you, which option are you going to make? 